You're listening to Vermont Credit Unions On Air, a service of the Association of Vermont Credit Unions. We're recording this episode on International Credit Union Day 2021, and our guest is Brett Smith, Chief Executive Officer of One Credit Union and a member of the Board of Directors of the Association of Vermont Credit Unions. Thanks for joining us today, Brett. Glad to be here, Joe. Thanks. It's uh, uh, great that we're able to connect, even in pandemic times, on International Credit Union Day, and, and we are sitting... Uh, face-to-face, although distance by, I think in Vermont, it's supposed to be like one cow apart or something like that. Uh, so I think we're good. We're a good size cow, full <laughs> bull. <so. laughs> okay. Well, again, thanks for being here, and happy uh, Credit Union Day to everybody that's listening. Um, so, you know, let's start at the beginning. You've been at this job at One Credit Union for a while, but, you know, I'm not sure that people listening um, – know the I'll call it like the backstory or whatnot of how you got to where you are today and you know the Brett Smith of pre one credit union Mm -hmm. how you ended up at one credit union all of that so how about sharing if it's okay with you like a reader's digest version of of that story sure I can do that so I started in banking uh, a little over 23 years ago now um, at Lake Sunapee uh, Bank I know the the dark side but uh, in the accounting department there is an accounting clerk, entry level. I'm an accountant by trade, uh, so hopefully this isn't too boring. You know, being counters love it, but everybody else just bear with. Um, and actually, it was a position that I originally saw in a newspaper, because uh, it was still that time where you looked in newspapers yeah. to find jobs. And I'm like, yeah, that's too far from my house. Um, I had just relocated back to Vermont from from living in Maine for a number of years. And uh, so I didn't, I didn't initially apply for it. I was looking at other jobs. And uh, one of my best friends, a lifelong friend of mine, asked me to send him my resume. And, and he lived in Massachusetts, so I thought that was odd. And I go, oh, man, I'm not looking to move to Massachusetts. Right. I just moved back to Vermont. He's like, just send me the resume. And lo and behold, his aunt uh, was – the director of retail services at Lake Sunapee Bank, um, who I'd, I'd known her for years, but not really close. And so he had sent it to her, and she reached out to me and said, hey, I'm giving this to my human resources department. We have a position that's open. Would you be interested? Out of courtesy to her, I'm like, sure, I will, even though I knew it was there. Um, I went in for an interview and met their their CFO, uh, and by the time I got home, which was a 30-minute ride, they had offered me a position. Wow. And I'm like, okay. Well, at the, that point, part of the reason I moved home is I had learned uh, what a corporate reorganization meant. <laughs> and my previous job, that meant that my job got moved to Philadelphia, and I did not. Um, so I was home and unemployed, so I'm like, okay, yeah, I need to do something. And it's in accounting, which I had just recently got a degree in, so we'll give it a shot. And so I started at Sunapee. Um my buddy's aunt, who was there for a while, left, went to Ledger National Bank in Hanover, and about 10 months after I was at Sunapee, recruited me to come work for her at Ledger Bank. Uh, and then I spent over 15 years working my way up there, mostly in the accounting side, but uh, really being given an opportunity to work with all the different areas of the bank. Um I became the touch point, you know, in the accounting department uh, and worked with the loan lines, the retail lines, the managers, understanding how it all works. So I was given the opportunity to really go broad based. Uh, What led me to going to one credit union um, 
it was a couple of different things. One, you know, it, uh, I first there was a headhunter that reached out to me, uh, and I ignored him. Like, uh, you know, I I'd, I'd been contacted before for other controller positions sure. at the time. I was a controller, and I'm like, yeah, yeah, I don't want to make a lateral move. I'm already doing that. And then he contacted me. He said it was for a CFO position. I'm like, oh well, that's interesting. Maybe I should talk to him. Um, he clearly. Uh, didn't realize that the questions I asked him would li- allow me to find out who he was talking about because I asked how far they were from where I was currently living, what the asset, approximate asset size of the institution was. Um, and so it very quickly was able to narrow down that it was one credit union that was yeah. looking for a CFO. Mm-hmm. And so I interviewed and part of what draw, you know, was a draw for me um, is that having worked in the banking side for so long, even in the accounting department where we're supposed to be all about, you know, debits, credits, and the bottom line, we were too bottom line focused and didn't care too much about who was coming into the institution, in my opinion. Um, and, and the focus was more on generating more for shareholders, you know, the stockholders that didn't right. necessarily do business with us. Um, and so, I, you know, the idea of working for a credit union where literally the people walking in the door – are the ones that we're there working for and who are returning, uh, you know, income back to dividends and whatnot. That was a big draw for me, um, that not having to wear a tie anymore. (laughs) Uh, so I, you know, I, I met, I interviewed three times with, with Jerry, um, and a variety of managers and, you know, he took a chance on me, um, controller, first time CFO coming into the credit union and, uh, you know, it, it worked out really well. You know, it, it was everything I had hoped for. I mean, I'd been doing my all of my banking with credit unions since 93 or 94. I hadn't, you know, I didn't even bank where I worked. Um, so I already understood the focus difference. You know, for credit unions, it was about the consumer and less about, you know, who could make the most money, you know, commercial lendings, trust, investments, things of that nature. It was a very different focus, and I learned that very early on, so that was another part of the draw. Um, But since being there, you know, it's been seven years now, uh, this last September, that I came over, and the rate at which things changed for me was unbelievable. Um, And the one thing that struck me the most that I didn't really know until I started working for a credit union was, you know, you hear cooperative and what you think that means, but then you get into working with credit unions and realize, wow, you know, people share information so freely about what's going on, challenges we have, software products, processes, policies, you know, um, that was an amazing change to me because in the banking side of things, you just didn't do that. You know, I knew. Protected. Oh, extremely. You know, uh, I can tell you that the idea that I could call literally somebody down the street that's considered a competitor in many ways and say, "Hey, I understand you got this new product. Can I come down and take a look at it?" And they would just say, "Oh, yeah, absolutely. Come, come take a peek. What else Mm -hmm. do you want to look at?" When I was in banking, you know, the closest you would get to that is you might call someone in the Midwest. That right. picked up something that wasn't anywhere near your market, and even that was sort of, oh, well, yeah, no, I can, I can send you some information on it. The, 
is just so much more closed, and I think that makes a big difference um, and more of what I was looking for, really. So, awesome. so that's how I came and, and drank the Kool-Aid, and I'm all in and have been and plan to be for however long I get to work in the industry. Well, and how appropriate that, you know, you talk about cooperation between credit unions or really cooperative cooperation between cooperatives, you know, on International Credit Union Day. And here we are on the tail end or the latter part of October, which Mm -hmm. is, you know, uh, the month in which we recognize cooperatives of all types and whatnot. And one of the principles of cooperatives is cooperation among cooperatives. And, you know, just exactly what you just said, you know, cooperatives for the most part you know, are sharing with each other and supporting each other and, and all of that. Um, mm-hmm. So you mentioned that you had been a credit union member, you know, all of or many of those years, long before you, you got in, employed by a credit union um, while you were working in the banking industry. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't think that's super uncommon, uh, but, but, you know, not too many people probably admit it <laughs> that right. they do that. Um, so thank you for that. Um, but while you were a member of a credit union, um, but working in the in the for-profit sector, um, you know, was was the extent of what you you knew about credit unions limited to you know what everybody knows better rates and fees and you know nice service and that kind of thing. But did the did the cooperative part really come through at that point, or did you really only start to identify that when you started working there and seeing, you know, the flow of funds and who the owners really are and all that? Yeah, it was really once I started working in the space. Uh, You know, honestly, when you're working in the banking side, um, this is going to sound a little harsh, but the the reality is they didn't really talk about credit unions. It wasn't seen as true competition uh, in many ways, other than um, I occasionally heard the irritation at the the taxable, you know, yeah, or, right. or, or not being taxed enough for profit piece Le- of it. Level playing field stuff, all that, yeah. Right, right. but, you know, the, the level of discussion that happens between credit unions, that was, and I don't think anybody that's only worked in banking has ever really understood um, that that's how credit unions work and that there's this camaraderie that goes on that you just don't get. You know, I noticed it the first time it struck me the strongest is that I would always would attend banking conferences when I worked on the bank side of things. And, you know, you kind of you meet people and you chat with them and where they're from and, and whatnot. But you didn't really talk too much about, you know, you talk a little bit about what you did, but, but your institution, nobody really talked about their institutions very much. And everything was sort of separate. You know, unless you were there with people, you know, you didn't really do too much with them other than attend sessions Mm -hmm. and then i went to um a cuna council cfo conference and it just blew my mind i mean everybody sitting at tables hey how's it going where are you from what's your asset size oh we're this big and we're located here and you started talking before you know you're moving in packs and you're talking about everything that's going on and hey you should try this product and i was just shocked not only at that but the content was so focused on the new jobs that I was doing that it was invaluable. Whereas these other conferences, they were very generic, broad-based, and didn't really speak specifically to what I was doing. It The atmosphere in general was just unlike anything I could have expected. And again, if you've never worked in the credit union side, if you've worked in banking but only on the bank side, I don't think you have that experience or realize that, that it's even one that's out there. Um, 
so that was important to me. And the biggest thing that I knew about credit unions is that they offered products that banks didn't, in, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. You know, signature loans, being oh. able to get an auto loan. Right. Um, the bank I worked for would offer you an auto loan, but you're going to pay 10% to get that because they didn't want your auto loan. Mm-hmm. They didn't want an unsecured loan with you. They wanted a commercial loan, home equity, and a mortgage. Sure. Period. Um, so it's, you know, for me, that was one of the draws because I was a consumer. I, wasn't, I was at a stage in my life where... Mortgage wasn't really on my horizon. Mm-hmm. You know, I was in my early 20s. I was still renting and going out and having fun and <laughs> not worrying about oh, having the house and white picket fence and all that stuff. Right. Um, but it was a draw for me because financially I wasn't really bright uh, with my money when I was younger. And so I learned what a signature loan was. It was a great thing that we could take all these little debts that you have and bring them all together. Right. Um, and they were so friendly when I went in. It was uh, Infinity Federal Credit Union over in Portland. Hmm. I went in, sat down, said, here's my situation. Is there anything you can do? I walked out that day with everything just taken care of. I was shocked. Wow. Um, you don't see that in banking. Right. You know, oh, right. yeah, come in, do an application. We'll get back to you in a week. You know, it just, it was so different. You know, and that's, that, it struck me. How different didn't strike me until I started working. Awesome. Thanks for sharing all of that. Yeah. Um, you know, we've talked, we've talked, you've talked <laughs> a lot because I asked you to about your background and, you know, uh, the path that brought you to where you are today. Mm-hmm. Uh, but maybe we ought to hear a little bit about one crediting yourself mm-hmm. and, you know, just, you know, w- whatever comes to mind about that. You know, probably not everybody listening knows at least the basics and, you know, whatever you can share. Right. Yeah. So, uh, we're, we're kind of unique, I think, um, in that, you know, we're only we're 231 million in assets, which isn't super huge um, by banking standards. Uh, when I came to the credit union seven years ago, we were about 132 million in assets. So we've grown quite a bit. Uh, what makes us unique is for our size, we actually have a lot of offices, uh, which normally you don't see until you've, you've grown into that. So, you know, seven and a quarter locations, as I like to call it, because we have one drive up location. Um, you know, and really, in a lot of ways, you know, our charter goes back to 1952, but One Credit Union's only really been around since 2010. Mm-hmm. And, you know, what it, the other unique thing was three relatively healthy small credit unions decided to get together in merge. Um, and, which that, you, and that's the 2010. That's the reference. 2010, yeah. right. You know, so, so Champlain Valley Teachers uh, from here in Essex. Um, and then you had United Stoneworkers or United Community, Community right? Yeah, with Stoneworkers yeah. before that. Yeah, um, yeah out of Barry and then and then Bryant Federal, yeah, out yeah. of Springfield, decided to get together and came up with one. And actually, the former CEO still has the he kept the sticky note where he wrote the name down <laughs> um, as kind of a memento. So it's you know so we've been around for ten years, and I, I think what what was unique by the time I had gotten there is we were still figuring out our identity a little bit in that it's one thing when you have a larger credit union merging a smaller one and, you know, it, it merging the cultures and bringing them on systems and all that. It's one thing, but when you have three relatively equal sized ones trying to do that, um, and update systems and everything else, it's, it can be a challenge, but, uh, I think, We've done a great job, you know, the the team that was put together and, and we've been able to keep together has done a great job of really being able to um, 
bring all that together because you know we had very different ways of doing things you know every credit union has its own personality and way of doing things and you know when it's one-on-one it's a little easier when you have three of those you know it was a challenge early on and uh but we've been focused on you know making things consistent across our entire credit union all our offices so if members are anywhere in the state uh if they go into any of our offices, they get the same experience, which is important. And, you know, we've really, um, you know, we've grown to over 18,000 members, um, you know, which is about, uh, you know, 4,000 more than what we had a few years ago. And, you know, we continue to take a look at uh, how can we help keep the movement moving um, and contribute and help and do that cooperative spirit and talk with other credit unions. Hey, is there something we can do for you? You know, hey, is there something you can do for us? Um, it, with the idea of helping as many people as we can in the state, because we, we believe we, we like every other credit union, we have something to offer. Sure. You know, to people that, uh, you know, is helpful to them. So, um, those seven and a quarter branches that you yeah. mentioned, um, they just to give perspective for folks. Um, they go from Burlington area yep. uh, down to Spring, well, not just Springfield. No, so beyond. yeah, five five yeah. and a quarter in Vermont. Um, yeah. Essex Essex is the furthest north for Jens, uh, the furthest right, west, right. and then you know, kind of the eighty nine ninety one corridor yeah. covers uh, you know Barry and Springfield. But then we have two offices in New Hampshire, actually, right. in Sullivan County, Claremont, right. and and Three weeks before the pandemic, we opened uh, a Newport, New Hampshire office. Mm. Um, so three weeks in, then we we had to close the doors for a while there, but uh, but didn't hurt us, you know, uh, very much. But yeah, we're really really spread out. When I uh, occasionally, a couple times a year, the whole senior team um, will go out and visit the offices, um, usually delivering goodies to our employees, thanking them, and. It's an all-day affair, and, you know, if we're going to sure. get to all yeah. of them, because we all cover about 250 to 300 miles right. uh, round trip. So we're we're very spread out. So here's an offbeat question that I um, am asking, you know, without any forewarning for you or anything. But as a state-chartered credit union, mm-hmm. but with locations, three locations now in New Hampshire, um, how – and I know one of those, I think, goes back – you know, a fair amount of time, but, um, you know, federally chartered credit unions, you know, can, so to speak, ignore state borders as far as state regulators are concerned and just, you know, set up offices wherever they choose. Mm-hmm. Uh, state charter credit unions are subject to the laws of each state and whatever the regulator in that state deems, you know, acceptable for going into that state. And usually it's, you know, we'll let yours if, if uh, you know, you let ours, you know, planting in each other's state and whatnot. Mm-hmm. So how was it between Vermont and New Hampshire for you in this most recent branch that you did? Uh, it wasn't too bad. You know, we did have to, the bulk of the application had to go through um, Department of Financial Regulation in Vermont right. as our primary regulator, but we did have to reach out to the New Hampshire Banking uh, Association and get their permission as well. You know, we, we had to submit an application to DFR. We had to submit an application you know, to New Hampshire Banking um, you know, work with their commissioner and, and his office. And they really actually, uh, I was concerned about that because 
going back, you know, um, the first office that we had, uh, Bryant Federal Credit Union was able to open one in New Hampshire. So, right. you know, there's there's that federal charter uh, not yep. worrying about. And so, you know, we inherited the ability to already be across state lines. Um, but to New Hampshire's credit, you know, they actually were very welcoming of it. They oh, liked good. the idea that we were uh, opening a second location, you know, in the state and interested in doing that. Uh, so it really... I was worried about a lot more hoops having to jump through on that side, and and it went pretty seamlessly with them. They were very willing to work with us, uh, which was great, you know, and DFR also was, you know, very accepting of it, even though we weren't opening in Vermont. They just liked to see a a Vermont credit union that was still um, growing and and looking for ways to grow. So so it wasn't as challenging as as you might think. Um, It was still daunting to put all that together because you had to – Submit it to both places. Uh, New Hampshire only had a little bit different criteria that they were looking for, but yeah, it, it was manageable. Good. Um, so we're what eighteen months into a pandemic, and and I uh, I've been asking this question a lot of folks like you for about eighteen months now. Mm-hmm. Um, but uh, what has it been like operating a credit union? Um, of your size with the number of branches that you've got and the footprint that it's got and whatnot during this pandemic time with these unknowns and uncertainties and moving targets and whatnot. You know, it's complicated enough running a financial institution in normal times, Mm -hmm. Uh, but there's another layer of complexity or challenge, I guess, that got added. So what's it been like for you? Challenge is a good word, (laughs) a very good word. And, you know, going back to the fact that we operate in two states, uh, that added another layer of complexity to it because right. we had to look at guidance in both states. Um, you know, my my team did a good job very early on. You know, we we collectively decided that uh, you know, in looking at both New Hampshire and Vermont um, for guidance with how to handle you know mask wearing and expectations and all that. We just, you know, erred on the side of more conservative and whichever state had the more conservative approach, we just applied that across the board. So that helped simplify simplify that part of it. Uh, the more challenging part was getting our employees um, to be able to learn how to serve the membership different than they were accustomed to. And then, of course, the membership getting used to being served differently than they were used to. Um but I think that really opened, you know, a lot of doors as far as efficiencies and understanding and people changing their mindsets on how to we could even better serve our membership. Because, you know, before we always had that, you know, if they came in, you know, we'd serve them when they were sitting there or if they weren't online, we just kind of left it online. Now we give, you know, a full suite of, you know, our employees are all educated better on, hey, you know what, if it's going to be a wait, why don't you get started online? And then when you come in, I'll have all the information. We can move a little faster. And so it's it's uh, improved member service in that regard. But the challenges of getting there and understanding and having to close our lobbies and even changing our hours a great deal, it's been a big adjustment in knowing when to do that and, and being willing to do that. Those were were always challenging because it was, you know, it's disruption for everyone. The pandemic was disrupting enough. 
and then this every day what you're used to coming into work and and how you did your banking with us that gets disrupted too you know it's it's being able to cut through the frustrations that that can create mm-hmm. um and staying patient and being willing to stick with it and not um having you know a knee-jerk reaction one way or the other because uh, disruption was going to happen how well we could control that that was a big challenge and you know my team did a great job across the board you know all our employees we um we didn't really have many people leave uh not that everybody was always happy with decisions that were made but they understood um and you know they've by and large stayed loyal which which we couldn't ask for better than that uh but it was a challenge a lot of a lot of sleepless nights as to okay when when do we pull this trigger um you know so are, are there things that you've changed brett that um you know out of necessity or new ways of doing things out of necessity to deal with the pandemic and whatnot that you think are going to stick going forward, even if the pandemic light switch went off tomorrow? Mm-hmm. Well, uh, you know, so we're reevaluating staffing needs um, and specifically staffing to need because we were, you know, and, and I'm sure other credit unions felt this way. We were heavy foot traffic um, by nature in a lot of our offices, even the offices that have drive-ups, not all of our offices have drive-ups, but um, but even the offices that did have drive-ups and you know full-service ATMs, uh, people didn't really use that very much. They liked coming in and, and sitting down and, and visiting. For some of them, it was a social thing. Um, but once they learned different ways, you know, where the drive-up got used more, full-service ATMs got used more. Um, you know, it's it changed our mindset on how we have to staff for people because online activity has increased a great deal. And so we've had to shift more focus and have more eyes on online activity that's coming in in order to be able to handle the volume. Uh, because by and large, the majority of, for instance, like loan applications, the majority of our loan applications now come via online. And so we have a queue that's been set up in our loan officers who usually just took what came in, now have a queue that they have to go and you know grab some loans. They, we still have plenty of members that come in, but the volumes are way down. So it's, it's shifted a mindset that kind of moved us in the, you know, forced us in a direction that the industry was already going in, in a lot of ways. Um, so I think that actually helped us, you know, is rather than holding on to more of the traditional way of doing things, it's just kind of moved everybody forward um, to the more technological channels and it's, it's lifted everybody's awareness a bit more. So, so that's one of the biggest um, changes as far as people power is how do we apply that and where, and where is it growing the most? Our contact center is one of the areas that's grown very fast. And the number of people that we have focusing on online activity. So having to operate during a pandemic has forced your credit union and all credit unions probably to be more efficient, more tech oriented and, Mm -hmm. you know, all the pieces, parts that go along with that. Um, But going back to where we started, where you were referencing about, you know, credit unions as cooperatives and cooperative nature and all that kind of stuff. And one of the traits that credit unions for decades have always prided themselves on is those surveys you see where people rate credit unions as friendlier than banks, and they get that from that in-person visit and, you know, personal service, personal attention to detail, you know, we're your friend kind of thing. Is that Mm -hmm. harder to maintain or to develop in the future-looking 
more remote technical kind of a relationship with a member than it is with the people that have been walking in the door every noon on a Friday. Uh, in some aspects, I think so. It, it's really how you approach those touch points. You know, so anytime we have somebody new that comes via online, you know, there's a welcome kit that goes out to them. There's a phone call follow-up. There's still that personal service that we would give somebody walking in the door, but now it's more of a technological way of, mm -hmm. of handling it. And we continue to, you know, look forward, um, you know, a technology that's not new to the industry, but what we're adding are uh, some ITMs in that, you know, it, that may allow us to expand hours a little bit, but even somebody that doesn't want to go inside because they don't want to, they're still nervous about being in the presence of others, can still have a face-to-face -face conversation. Right. Right. And have all their needs served, yeah. you know. So, you know, investing in technology like that, and I'll tell you, I'll be the first to tell you that 18 months ago, if somebody proposed us putting ITMs in anywhere, say, nope, our membership wouldn't accept it. That's not who we are. That's not how we operate. Um, you know, which in hindsight might have been a little short-sighted uh, on our part, but that, you know, was our membership at the time and how they wanted to be treated was, you know, I'm coming in the door. I don't want to look at somebody through a screen. Um, and we're finding, you know, we're just rolling those out now. Uh, but there's been a buzz in our membership that, you know, they think it's a great idea. Cool. So, you know, it's, it's, so it's finding ways to still have that personal service where it feels like you're sitting face to face, you know, across from someone, but you might be looking at a screen. It's not as personal, but it's serving the members that they want, the way the they want to be. Yeah. It's still, it's still a touch point, it's still a connection. They still feel drawn in. They know. Um, and I think in the back of many of their minds, they just like knowing that if they need to, there is a place for them to go in and somebody they can talk to if if it can't be resolved, you know, in the other channels. So it's uh it's certainly changing again mindsets and how we do business and and affects um the way we approach new technologies. Hey, after eighteen months of Zoom meetings every day for some of us, uh using an ITM should be no big deal for anybody, right? Yeah, right. Yeah, push a button, there's a person. That's the right. way we've been living for a while. So <laughs> awesome. Um so where the, the the philosophical we're kind of winding down here, the philosophical question, what do you think the future holds for uh, credit unions and you know there, there's no right or wrong answers here because none of us have a crystal ball no but you know the the trends that you've been seeing and so on and so forth you know w what do you think the whole and maybe it's financial services as a whole maybe it's not just credit unions what does it look like you know five and more years down the road that's a good question. Uh, you know, I think as an industry, uh, unfortunately, I think we'll continue to see some consolidations. Sure. Um, if for no other reason other than, you know, regulation's not going to get lighter as we go. It just continues right. to get heavier. Um, and it's uh, some of it will be a part of surviving, but I think we'll continue to take a chunk out of the overall share of the industry, um, you know, despite... You know, we, anybody that works in the industry knows, you know, it's it's the big banks that have the majority and smaller community banks are going by the wayside and credit unions are slowly going up. I don't see that changing. Um, it seems that there is a, uh, you know, the awareness that continues to grow is going to get larger and larger. 
um, to the point where I feel, you know, we talk about that personal service, uh, you know, you see these ads on TV from, from the larger banks and what they're trying to promote is what credit unions have done for years. And they're now saying, Hey, here's this. So I think there's an awareness on their side that, uh, credit union awareness is growing. And, and, and so I see us continuing, you know, as a, as a movement to continue to thrive, um, and grow. I just don't know that there'll be as many credit right. unions around for it, which which is unfortunate. You know, I would like to see in the next five years um, finding more ways to bolster that cooperativeness where not that it should be a burden on any larger credit unions to help smaller ones, you know, stay afloat, but finding a good relationship between the two where we maintain as many identities as we can mm-hmm. and keep as many moving forward as possible. Mm-hmm. Um you know, especially in a state like ours, we don't have a ton of credit unions here anymore. Or a ton of people. <laughs> or a ton of people, right. you know. So it's it having those options and selections. But, I, you know, credit unions will stay strong because I feel, especially in the last probably 15 years, we've started really keeping up with the technological times. And instead of necessarily seeing some of these new fintechs that have come out, as adversaries, uh, finding ways to, you know, capitalize on those and how to right. incorporate it into what we do, um, you know. So rather than fighting change, we're you know embracing it and continuing to evolve with it. And because of that, I think credit unions will continue to move um, in the right direction and and for us to take on more more of the market and find more creative ways to continue to help people. That's awesome. Thanks for sharing that. And mm-hmm. how appropriate on uh, International Credit Union Day yeah. uh, to be talking about the future of credit unions and, uh, you know, the cooperation between credit unions and other types of cooperatives, too. Um, we didn't get into, uh, you know, all the future trends like, you know, digital currencies seem like we hear more and more uh-huh. on that every day. And I don't think anybody, well, few people in credit union land or banking probably have a grasp of, you know, okay, how's my credit union bank going to fit into that? But I know it's out there, uh, right. and it's coming. Uh, so things like that, I think, are – you're right. Uh, credit unions are going to have to adapt to things like that, mm-hmm. um, and we may not know how yet, but uh, it's definitely going to be in our faces. I think especially along the lines of cryptocurrency, uh, once some sort of regulatory body actually ties crypto- cryptocurrency to something real – Yeah. Um, where where there's a true foundation for why the values are and what they are, you'll probably see more financial institutions buying into that. But that's that's one of those areas that uh, still unnerves me a little bit. It's not yeah. you know that's the more traditional banker in me, I guess you could say. Uh, just like mm, I don't know until that's regulated a little bit, you know. Well, yeah, there's still a lot of unknown to it. Yeah, kind of like a pandemic. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. Hey, uh, before we completely wind down here, how about uh, going off in um, some some questions I ask people every time I do this that are just for the fun of it, more personal kind of. Um, And so my favorite one is milk or dark chocolate? Milk, all the way. Okay. And your favorite kind of music? Like a genre of music. 80s. I'm I'm a product of the 80s. I love 80s on 8 is on my station all the time. Um, unless it gets into, you know, but not early 80s. No, no offense to the 70s crowd, but yeah. 
early 80s still sounds a little too 70s for me so i'm selective <laughs> there but but 80s music i hear you uh some famous person living or dead that uh you'd uh connect with over dinner or drinks or whatnot robin williams oh wow i haven't had anybody say that before but yes I was just watching uh, some of uh, some video clips of Robin Williams on talk shows and stuff the other day. Mm-hmm. That would be a pretty erratic kind of uh, encounter. <laughs> well, you know, and that's the thing. It, it, for a guy that seems all over the place, really, you know, I always thought he was brilliant. He was very obviously very intelligent, and it would come out in his comedy. Um, and people mostly know him for his comedy, but I also, I would have loved to have been able to just kind of sit down and be like, What's it like living inside your head? Because <laughs> he he is all over the place. Um, but I always found him intriguing because he also was a very good, serious actor as well. Yeah, yeah. You know, and people often forget about that part. They remember the antics and all that and Mork and Mindy. And, right. Um, but, uh, you know, as a serious actor, he was incredible, you know. Um, so I always thought it would be intriguing you're right. It would be all over the place. I'd really have to focus, uh, but it would be interesting just to sit down and and hear his takes on the world and in the directions that we're going in. So that was a great answer. Uh, I'll remember that one for a long time. <laughs> uh, thank you for that. Um, so we've covered a lot of ground, um, and thank you for all the time that you've spent with us on International Credit Union Day. I got to say that again. Yeah. Um, even though when people are listening to this, it'll be after International Credit Union Day, but uh, still, how apropos that we're having this discussion mm-hmm. uh, today. So thanks for sharing the insights about you, your career, your credit union, mm-hmm. uh, with everybody listening. Yeah. Thank you for having me. Appreciate it. And happy International Credit Union Day, everyone. Awesome. Hey, we've reached the end of another Vermont Credit Unions on Air podcast and hope you've all found it interesting. You can hear all of our previously recorded podcasts by searching for Vermont Credit Unions on Air in the iTunes store or at soundcloud.com. If you've got ideas for a podcast on something you'd like to hear about, send it to podcast at vermontcreditunions with an S dot co-op, C-O-O-P. This is Joe Bergeron and Brett Smith. Thank you. Thanking you for listening. I'm the one that screwed up that. (laughs) Oh, darn. All right. Thanks, everybody. Thank you, Brett. Thanks, everyone.